Well, welcome to week number one of our new sermon series on the book of Ruth in the midst of the mess. Like our world is a mess. I'm probably getting disagreement from those of you who hear headline stories about natural disasters. It's earthquake and there's earthquakes around our world. We're now in hurricane season here in the United States. You can Look at the world news and hear of typhoons that that hit Guam. The world in which we live is a mess. There are school shootings. The church in in general is declining in in attendance and membership around the world. The world in which we live is a a mess. When you just think of all the the different things that we hear and see uh, taking place and and maybe even in your life, you would say the, the world is, is making my life a mess. Like I just looked at this last week's news headlines from last week in a Memorial Day, the, the number of, of, of shooting incidents in, uh, in the city of Milwaukee was like 15 different shooting events. And I know some of you are like, well, that's Milwaukee. That happens. Yeah, it's not that far. And people are dying and those who lost loved ones as a result of those shootings are in the midst of a mess. Last weekend in Davenport, Iowa, a six-story apartment, the backside of it collapsed. One person was under that wreckage for 24 hours. Thankfully, all seven people who were able to get out of the wreckage survived. Could you imagine, though, being in that apartment and having it fall on you? Literally in the midst of a mess. I mean, the news headlines are, are filled with tragedies. Perhaps one of the, the biggest ones in our area that stuck with me from a few weeks ago was that of Emily Loverenz, I believe, if I want to get that right, the D.C. Everest senior, who was the valedictorian in her class, was weeks away from graduation and, and speaking with her family and friends, but tragically died in a car accident. Only weeks before, she got to walk the stage. Like that family's in the midst of a mess. And that's what this series is going to reveal. People who lived thousands of years ago in the midst of a mess. And what I want you to think about over the course of the next four weeks is is not other people in the midst of the mess, but I want you to see the story through the lens of of dealing with life, of living life, of having to to literally be in the midst of a mess. How you respond, how you act. What would God have me hold on to when either I'm in the midst of a mess right now or or will be in the future? Because you know what happens oftentimes in the midst of a mess? We literally become a mess. Like physically, emotionally, and sadly spiritually. I guess today we get into chapter one. We're going to see the main character, Naomi, and be introduced to the other main character in the book who bears the name of it, Ruth, in the midst of a mess. And we're going to see how they responded, how they reacted. And the goal for you and for me is to just really think through how, how do we handle How do we live? How do we deal in the midst of the mess? 
Like what questions do we ask of God? What struggles do we have with God? And sometimes in the midst of the mess, we oftentimes wonder or question if God's there, if God sees, if God cares. And I pray that the takeaways we find over these four weeks will reveal to us exactly that, that he is present and he does care and he's at work oftentimes in the darkest of days. So each and every week, we're going to take a chapter at a time. Each and every week, I hope I can give you a few takeaways at the end called Ruth's Truth or Truths that, that you might see from in the midst of the mess where God would have us learn and apply and remember. So let's journey through Ruth chapter 1 today. And Ruth chapter 1 begins with the setting and the scene and the introduction to, to some of the main characters of the book. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Like we're introduced to our main characters, this family from God's people who lived in the city of Bethlehem. And, and I know most of you probably know the city of Bethlehem. You might even know where it is on a map. You've, you hear it every year at Christmas time. It's the city that Jesus was born in. But at this time, this city was probably a, a blip on the radar, very insignificant, only known perhaps by God's people because of a mess that had happened there hundreds of years earlier. Like the first time we're introduced to the city of Bethlehem is when uh, Jacob lost his wife, Rachel. And it's where he buried her. Bethlehem. And at this time, during the period of the judges, Elimelech and his family were in the midst of a mess, a physical one. The ability to provide was, was not there in Bethlehem. There was a famine in the land. Uh, and, and it's ironic because Bethlehem itself means house of bread, but there was no bread. So Elimelech took his family to Moab to find some, to, to be able to provide for them, to to take care of them physically. But that wasn't the only mess in Elimelech's world. Like this is the time of the judges. It's about 400 B.C. to 1050 B.C. It's the time after Joshua, uh, the season of the judges. There's a whole book about the judges. The book of Judges can best be summed up like this, basically. It was a mess. In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Like if you've ever read the book of Judges, you might remember a guy named Samson is one of the judges. The Israelites rebelled against God. They, they sinned. The Israelites were then punished. They, there was an invading army who came in and well, was in charge of them. They were enslaved, so to speak. The Israelites called out for help. God deliver us, and God sent a deliverer, a judge, and, then the, and he delivered them. And then there was a season of security and peace. Like this happens over and over and over again. And so that season, spiritually for the Israelites, was a mess. This, the landscape of which the, the book of Ruth is taking place is literally a spiritual nightmare and mess. Like God's people are a mess. But this family wasn't. Like just their names alone, Elimelech is, has the name God in it. And, and the name Naomi is one who is pleasant. And Elimelech took his family there as a believer, but 
The text tells us his plan was to come back. He wasn't like running away. He wasn't leaving his homeland. He was just providing for his family. But that wasn't the extent of the mess. Like as bad as having to move to find food was, as spiritually as bad as the the scene of Israel was, Moab would have been no better. In fact, it would have been worse because there were false gods there. In the midst of all that mess, it wasn't just the physical that became a reality because in the midst of that mess, it got worse for, for Naomi. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. Elimelech, sadly, his plan to go and come back did not take place. Instead, God called him home to heaven. Those two sons and Naomi remained in Moab, and they married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other named Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Like the facts of the story come across on the page, uh, but they don't give you the depth of the mess. But I think anyone who is here can understand the pain and the heartache and the hurt of being in the midst of that mess. Like I've never faced loss of a family member in my life outside of my grandparents who are in their 90s. But some of you have lost a spouse and you know how painful it is in the midst of that mess. I've never lost a child. But I know some of you have. I've I've actually been at the funeral of some of them. And I know how much pain and hurt there is in the midst of those kind of messes. And yet I don't know, I've heard any stories like that mess where husband dies, sons die, and you're all alone in a foreign land. Truly for Naomi, she was in the midst of the mess. And I just want you to think about, if that was you, what would you say? What emotions would you have? What questions would you ask of God? How would your faith be? Like in the midst of the mess, everything that's taken place so far The reality is because we live in a sinful world where there's natural disasters, we live in a sinful world where tragedies and mass shootings take place. Because we live in a sinful world, there there are famines and, and life is hard. In the midst of the mess, we lose people that we love. Like, that's what we're seeing. That's the story that's being told. How do you handle it? Well, in the midst of that mess, now Naomi has another mess. How am I going to survive? Thankfully, she hears news that things have changed in Bethlehem. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Two quick items in that verse. Uh, Bread has returned. Uh, The famine is over to Bethlehem. Uh, what, was, what was not able to take place 10 years ago is now taking place. So Naomi has at least 
a plan. She at least has some hope. In the midst of the mess, she can go back home. She will return home where God's people had clearly been given a very clear description of what it looked like to take care of a widow. So the land that her husband had owned would, could eventually be bought by somebody. She could provide for herself, take care of herself, uh, and at least deal with living in the midst of the mess. And her daughters-in-law were leaving with her. Like in the midst of the mess, they, they were going alongside of her. Now the text kind of tells you, gives the impression to you that, that they were actually going to go back with her to Bethlehem. Well, the text itself actually in Hebrew would, would tell you, Naomi made a decision to go back and her daughters-in-law walked alongside of her as she left town. Like back in that day and age, and maybe in this specific case, they were coming along for a little while to maybe see her across the border. Like remember, she's a foreigner and she's a widow and uh, there's strength in numbers. Like maybe they were actually walk her all the way back to Bethlehem to get her there, but, but in reality, we're, it's pretty clear and understood by what takes place next in our text uh, that in the midst of the mess, the, the custom and intention of what they were carrying out was not to go back with her. Like in that day and age when someone left your home after being there for some time, if a family member was moving somewhere else, you would go along with them for a while and then you would return back. Like we act a little bit differently today, right? My kids were here this weekend when they left. While I was at home, my wife probably gave them a hug and, and she maybe went outside and waved to them as they were driving off. But as they drove down the road and, 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 and were going around the corner, we didn't quick jump in our car and follow them all the way out to the interstate and, and drive down with them to Oshkosh before turning back. <laughs> like we just wave and say goodbye. And so it appears that they were coming along and Naomi understood what they were doing and yet she, in the midst of the mess, didn't want to make their lives more of a mess. And so she said this. Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, each of you to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest, shalom, peace, in the home of another husband. She wished the best for them. She, she called on God to bless them. She, she was praying for them in, in in, in, in and with these words. And then she was offering them an out. She was encouraging them to go back. She wanted what was best for them to, to have something change about the mess that they were in. So she kissed them goodbye. They wept aloud and, and said to her, we will go back with you to your people. Like Naomi's request was met with a pushback. Like Naomi wanted them to go home to, be get, to get remarried. Don't leave the land you're from. Your parents can take care of you. You have a place where you can find security. In the midst of this mess, you have people who can surround you and love on you. And, and God willing, my prayer is that you find a new man, a new husband, and you are blessed. This is best. And the lady said, no, we're going to go. To which Naomi said, no. Return home, my daughters. Like, why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Kind of customary if a, a child who uh, lost a sibling but was younger, uh, if that sibling of theirs who died left a wife behind and, and, and you did not have one, oftentimes you would marry them and, and, and you'd have a child so that that person's family tree could go on. But Naomi recognized an issue. Like, I'm older. I don't have any younger children. 
Even if I go back, and even if I'm lucky at the age that I'm at is the implications that I could have one more son, there's probably not likelihood of having two more kids, and, and even then, would you wait around like for the next 18 years with the hopes of marrying one of them? No! Don't make it more of a mess. Go home. And it's messier for me than it is for you. It's more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Like the blessing that Naomi had probably heard before in her worship life, the Lord make his face shine on you, look on you with favor, turn toward you. Naomi literally says, the Lord's hand has turned against me. Like in the midst of the mess, Naomi was struggling but she didn't want it to get worse for anyone else. And at that invitation, Orpah kissed her goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Like Orpah said, I I love you, gave her a hug, gave her a kiss, and went back. But Ruth instead hung on and would not let go. Like literally the the word in the Hebrew is the same as it's found in Genesis chapter 2 when God talks about and describes what marriage is. Then a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. Like he'll leave and husband and wife cleave is the Hebrew word. They cling together. They're stuck together. Literally the the visual and image is is that very thing. That's what Ruth was doing. She was holding on, stuck to Naomi, not going to let her go. She was not going to go back. Noemi, again, encourage her, like, go. Your sister-in-law is down the road. Follow her. Go back to your people. She's gone back to hers. Go back to your gods like she's gone back to hers. To which Ruth replies, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. Like there's something different about Ruth and Orpah. Like Ruth was not thinking rationally. She was not making the smart decision. (laughs) This was not logical and in her best interest. But this was a God choice. Like, do you notice in all her words, the word Lord is spoken over and over and over again. The vow that she made is literally very similar to vows that people make on a wedding day. So when she was clinging to Naomi, In the same way as husbands and wife on their wedding day make promises and vows, she is promising and making vows that till death do us part. I will not leave your side. Uh, God wants me to be a part of your world and a part of your life. I am a part of your family, literally. But even more importantly, what we see on the inside of Ruth is that she understood that she was a part of God's family. Something in her life had changed. Even in the midst of the mess, something great and good had come out of it Elimelech's moved to Moab from Bethlehem while 
It caused Naomi to be in a huge mess relationally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. While she was in a great deal of pain, in the midst of that mess, you know what God had done, what the Holy Spirit had worked? Faith in the heart of a Canaanite. Like a lady named Ruth heard about God. She got God. She understood who the Lord was. And she was not going to let go of Naomi because God had taken a hold of her heart. Now, there are a couple of things that are in here, and they're going to be part of the truths that we're going to come back to, but I want you to see how the chapter one ends. Because right now, as you're listening to all this that's going on, you know who's, whose name we've heard many times, but you probably have wondered where's God in all of this? Next few weeks, we're going to see a whole lot of God at work behind the scenes. But for right now, I want you to see how the the chapter ends. The two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Like 10 years had done a number, no doubt, on Naomi. Like you know when you're in the midst of a mess and you go through a lot, how it affects you physically. It wears you down. Maybe from the sleepless nights, maybe from the difficult journey back, the, the, they could see it in her face. But it was more than that. Maybe why they asked, can this be Naomi? Because she left with three other people and she came back with one and it was different than the three she left with. Like, can this be Naomi? Like, I can understand maybe her husband died, but both of her sons died. Like, she lost all of them and then she's here with this woman who looks different than us. It's definitely not one of her children, and it's a foreigner. Naomi's words even give some insight, like, don't call me Naomi. She told me, call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. In the midst of the mess, it takes a physical toll. Oftentimes, in the midst of the mess, it's due to the, the loss of relationships. It's, a, it's relational pain and hurt. But here we get the insight of the spiritual and the emotional and what happens in the midst of the mess. Like the Lord has afflicted me. Like, I know who God is. He is almighty, but he's made my life bitter. Like, she understood uh, that the the word providence, when we talk about God who's almighty and in control of all things, like, she understood that God is in control of all things, and God was allowing this to happen, that God hadn't stepped in and stopped it from happening, that God was, was present, but he hadn't done anything about the pain. In fact, she says, change my name. Like the one who is the pleasant one is now the bitter one. Like the Israelites would have known, remember the Passover was something they had started celebrating shortly before getting into the promised land. They started in Egypt. They practiced it for 40 years. We're probably 100 years removed. Every year they were celebrating the Passover. As a part of the Passover, they had something called bitter herbs. You know why they had bitter herbs at the Passover meal? Because God wanted them to remember how painfully hard, how much they went through, how much of a mess they were in the midst of when they were slaves in Egypt. Like, that's how Mara's, uh, that's how Mara, Naomi's heart was in the midst of the mess. 
struggling. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. Hold on to that last verse. The timing of it is significant. We're in the season of the judges. In the midst of the mess, there's anarchy in the land. There's been a famine in the land. Naomi has lost just about everything. And now these two ladies, two widows, one a foreigner, have to figure out how to survive. Like in the midst of the mess, how, how is Naomi going to be able to provide for her daughter-in-law who owns nothing, has nothing, will probably never meet a guy because she's a Moabitess. It's that huge point. Israelites were not to, to intermarry with Moab, Moab, people from Moab. In fact, people from Moab were excluded for 10 generations from gathering with God's people in the place of worship because of what they had done along the way in the desert. So if you're some dude who's seeing this babe and you hear she's from Moab, you're going to say, hit the road. Like, is there hope? Come back for that for next week. But before we do, this story, as you hear it unfold in the midst of the mess, what are some takeaways, what are some truths that, that I would think God would want you to hold on to? What can we learn from the story of Ruth, apply to our life, some truths that we can take away and remember that matter in the midst of the mess? So if you're in a mess in the middle of it right now or are in the future, I want you to remember these truths. We see it in Ruth. We find it for Naomi. Truth number one is this. When you're in the middle of the mess, community is a must. Like Naomi kept trying to get rid of Ruth and, and Orpah. But Ruth said no. Like over the next few weeks, we're going to see this play out. You know where we're led oftentimes in the midst of the mess? Like when it's really hard in your life, when, when things are breaking, when, when you're hurting, when you're struggling. You know what I like to do? You know what a lot of people do in the midst of the mess? They isolate. They withdraw. You know what happens when you isolate? You ruminate. <laughs> like you think about things. And you know what, leads, what rumination leads to? Bitterness. <laughs> and in the midst of that mess, you know what Naomi needed more than anybody, more than anything? Community. She needed somebody. And Ruth was that somebody. Ruth was not going to let go of her. She knew the the importance of, of sticking to her and promising her she would, do life with, she would do life with her and be there for her. And I want you to remember the same. When you're in the midst of the mess, learn something from Ruth, the person who said, I will not let you go. Community's a must. That's why we talk about the importance of life groups. That's why we want to surround ourselves with godly people because they'll speak into it. They'll stand alongside. They'll help us in the midst of the mess. They don't have to fix it. They might not have the solution to it but you will be blessed in the middle of it if you do community with others. Doing life together is better than doing it alone. God calls us to living and one another in each other. Community is a must in the midst of the mess. Hold on to that, remember that. We learn that and see Ruth model that. Truth number two, when faced with a major choice, follow God's voice. Ruth did not make this choice by chance. Ruth did not make the choice to stick to Naomi, to stay with Naomi, to go back to Bethlehem and be an outsider and a foreigner by chance. She did it because she followed God's voice. She no longer considered herself a Moabite as she considered herself a child of God, a believer in the one true Lord. Like in, 
in life, when you're in the midst of the mess, when you're dealing with difficult decisions, when you have to make a choice like, like Ruth made, or when you're just struggling and dealing with the mess that it is, and you have to figure out a path forward and you're not sure which one, follow God's voice. He might not give you like a clear out, outward answer. I understand that. But you know how you find God's voice? You know where you, you find the ability to listen to God's voice? By being in his word. Like Ruth, no doubt, heard those words, maybe from her husband or at family gatherings. They talked about the Lord. They talked about Jesus. They talked about the truths of who God is, the one who saves. Like she knew the voice of God. She had listened to the voice of God. So in that moment, she did what God and his voice would have encouraged her to do. Stay. It was a choice of faith. In the midst of the mess, it's important to, to know God's voice. It's important to, to listen to God's voice. It's important to hold on to the voice of God and the promises of God, that he'll never leave you or forsake you, that he'll be with you always, that, that he'll provide a way out when temptation occurs. Like, be in the word, grow, gather regularly so that you know the voice of God, so that when you're in the midst of a mess, when you face losses like, like Ruth and Naomi had, you can follow God's voice. Remain faithful to him. Number three, last one. When life leaves you bitter, remember, hold on to the hope that you have, the promise that God gives, that God promises to work it for better. Like Elimelech's death meant a mess for Naomi, but it meant heaven for him. Moving to Moab, brought about tragedy after tragedy, but it brought about an amazing, amazing gift for, for Ruth, the gift of faith. That if they had never come, she may have never known. Like in the midst of it right now, Naomi's looking at it, I left full, but I have come back empty. My life doesn't seem like it's worth living. There could be nothing good that could possibly come from it. I know in the midst of the mess, if you go through some of those kind of messes, I'm not saying that they go away. I'm not saying that you should celebrate them. It's painful, it's hard, it's difficult, it's challenging. But God does make a promise to work it out for good, for some good purpose. Like, and I truly believe that, and we're gonna see that. The book of Ruth is all about this. When life leaves you bitter, God promises to work it for something better. You might never experience it this side of heaven. The loss might stay with you for, for the rest of this life, but maybe it's, for the purpose of strengthening your faith, bringing you closer to God. Maybe it's the opportunity that you have to witness to someone else who brings them into relationship to God. Maybe it's gonna bless a generation that you will never see. But God does make this promise. When there's suffering, when there's pain, we know that in all things, God works for the good, the spiritual, eternal good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose, which is to get you and me to heaven. And the story of Ruth is littered with Reminders of that truth who've been called according to his purpose. Like those three truths, I pray that you can be blessed with today. And blessed by knowing and holding on to in the midst of the mess. So what's next? Two widows, one bitter, probably both broke. How are they going to survive the mess next week, week two? Come on back so we can hear more of the story 
and see God in the midst of the mess. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and your promises today. Lord, it's hard in the midst of the mess to, to know where to turn to. Sometimes we wrestle and struggle and end up like Naomi, bitter. We've probably done the same thing. Lord, call me Mara. We feel like your hand is against us. So in the midst of the mess, Lord, uh, allow us to remember the truths that, that we see on display in Ruth, that community is a must in the midst of the mess. Like, Naomi might not have seen it or understood it or knew it, but Lord, Ruth, while going alongside of her, clinging to her, truly made her blessed. And Lord, in this life, when we're in the midst of the mess, let us listen to your voice. When we have to make tough decisions, when we're dealing with difficulties, let us have a strong grow root so that when the, the mess happens or when we're in the middle of it, we hear your promises, we cling to your word and hold on to you. Trusting, Lord, that we know the last one to be true, that when, when there's things in life that make us bitter, we're going to call on you and rely on you to work it out for our good, spiritually, eternally, for some good purpose, Lord. You can use it for something that is good, which reminds us of who you are. So, Lord, all these things we pray in your powerful name as we call on you and pray that you bless us, and especially any of us who are in the midst of a mess right now.